You're listening to the Turn Again Ministries podcast with evangelist Aaron Pratt. Turn Again Ministries is based out of Fellowship Baptist Church in Clark Lake, Michigan, and is dedicated to bringing America back to its godly heritage. Let's prepare our hearts as evangelist Aaron Pratt brings forth God's word to us today. Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin, Silah. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Rejoice the soul of thy servant, for unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Our precious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the power of it. We thank you for the promise of it, that it will not return void. And so we pray, Lord, that you would do the work that you intend to do here this morning. We just pray that you would... Drown out all of the distractions, Lord, and all of the different things that would, would cause us to be distracted from what you are trying to do in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. First John chapter 2, verse 12 says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. This morning we are going to talk about forgiveness. The title of the message is as we saw in Psalm 86, verse 5, ready to forgive. A heart that is ready to forgive. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Forgiveness is at the very foundation of anyone who is a Christian. We live in a world where all men are seeking something. They are looking for something to be redeemed by a God. They know that they are in their sins and they know that they need forgiveness. You and I Christians daily are in constant need of forgiveness both of God and of our brothers and sisters and of the world. Forgiveness is at the very foundation and the very heart of Christianity. That is why John in 1 John chapter 2 says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you. It is at the very foundation, the very foundation of a Christian in order for him to grow. In order for a Christian to grow, they must understand forgiveness. We will suffer wrong by our brothers. Sometimes we will have wrongs done directly to us and take up an offense. Sometimes there's an offense taken up for another person. We see another person harmed or we see another person wronged and we take up an offense. Sometimes it's for the word of God that we take up an offense for the cause of Christ. Offenses are going to come. 
We are sinful and we live in a wicked and sinful generation. But Paul says in Hebrew, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. With all malice and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Jesus Christ, God has given us the example, the model for the ways in which we are to forgive our brothers and sisters and the world around us. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11 says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. I'm going to take a risk here and drink this water. If I die, I know where I'm going, so I feel totally comfortable with that. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. That verse is given in the context of forgiving a brother for his wrongdoings. And if we are ignorant of Satan's devices, then we lose track of the very fact that Satan is trying to work amongst our congregation today to split us apart because one has wronged another. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, and many be defiled with this root of bitterness. This root of bitterness begins with not having a heart that is, as Psalm 86 verse 5 says, as the Lord has a heart that is ready to forgive, plenteous and mercy. You hear Christians, Christians say, well, you can forgive, but not forget. I don't have to forgive until I'm given an apology. After all, God doesn't forgive my sins until I confess to him. Say, just because I forgive them doesn't mean that they're off the hook. They still need to pay and make up for what they did. Desire for revenge in our hearts, bruise, and this is at the very root of bitterness that is inside of many Christian hearts sitting here today. We don't want God to bless other people. If you have in your heart ought against your brother or sister, and it's such an ought that you do not want God to bless them, and you would be offended if God actually blessed them, then you need to examine your heart because you may be bitter. Hard to see good qualities in our brother or sister because all that we see is that character flaw that they offended us with a week ago, ten years ago. We would rather see them pay for what they've done rather than letting the goodness of God bring them to repentance. If you say in your heart, I get angry every time I think of that person. And you may have bitterness in your heart. You do not have the ability to be thankful for that person. Regardless of what they've done to you. 
If you do not have the ability to be thankful for that person, then you need to examine your heart. You think every time a person's name comes up in a conversation or you think of a, uh, of a person in a conversation, you struggle not to tell others that wrong that they did to you years ago. You always want others to know about the bad qualities of so-and-so. Because after all, they, they should know what kind of awful person they are. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. Ready to forgive. If we understand the definition of forgiveness, we can, we can go to Webster's Dictionary, which says forgiveness is to pardon, to remit as an offense or debt. Somebody is in need of forgiveness and they have a debt that they owe. You, child of God, or if you're not saved here this morning, you have a debt that you owe God. That debt is an eternity in a lake of fire. The only way that that debt can be forgiven you is through the blood of Jesus Christ by faith in his death, burial, and resurrection. The only way to have your sins remitted from you, the only way to be pardoned for that debt that you owe God in an eternity in a lake of fire is through the forgiveness by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is to overlook an offense. It is to treat the offender as not guilty. Not saying that I forgive you, but you're going to have to pay. You're going to have to work your way back to me. Not guilty. The original and proper phrase is to forgive the offense and send it away, to reject it, that it is not to impute it, not to impute it to the defender, not to charge it to the offender. But by an easy transition, we also use the phrase to forgive the person offending. I want you to turn in your Bible to the book of Matthew in chapter 18. And this is where you're going to be for most of the message today. In Matthew chapter 18, we read about the teaching of Jesus regarding forgiveness. And there's a lot that we can draw out of what Jesus teaches us here in Matthew chapter 18. And starting at verse 21, it says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord... How oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. That's 490 times. So in other words, you can forgive your brother 490 times, but on the 491st time, then you never have to forgive him again. Is that what the Bible's teaching? Listen, if you're keeping track of how many times you've forgiven your brother and you're at 363 and in an hour from now it'll be 364, then you've never actually forgiven him. Because forgiveness means that he's not guilty. You don't even think about it anymore. You don't even think about him as an offender of that anymore. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, I mean, bring up the money that is owed to him, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. 
But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. This guy owed his Lord 10,000 talents. He owed him a lot of money and he had no ability to pay him. The Lord was right in sending him to debtor's prison. That's what he deserved. For his family, for his children, that is the penalty for breaking that law. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. We find here, often we hear Christians say that, well, just because I forgive them doesn't mean that they're off the hook. That is not the case in which Jesus is trying to teach the doctrine of forgiveness to Peter and to the disciples. Verse 27 says, the ser- Then the Lord, the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. It doesn't mean that he said, Okay, I'll give you a little bit more time to pay it. It doesn't mean that he said, okay, your penalty for it will not be as hard as what I was originally going to give you because you said sorry. It doesn't mean that he's going to have to work his way out of the ditch that, that you are owing me to be a slave to me for the rest of your life until you pay it back. That's not what it says. It says that he forgave him. That means that before his balance was 10,000 talents. An amount that he could never possibly pay back his Lord. And the Lord said after he said, please forgive me. Please don't cast me into the debtor's prison. His Lord says, I forgive you all of the debt. Which means that his account balance went from a negative 10,000 talents to zero. You didn't have to do anything. Nothing. He didn't go to debtor's prison. Like some would say, I forgive him, but he still has to pay. He wasn't required to pay it back later. He didn't say, I forgive you now, but in 10 years from now, I'm going to have to start asking for, for a return with interest. He didn't say that. He was forgiven. Forgiven means not guilty. No charge. He wasn't required to pay part of it back. He didn't say, okay, you owe me 10000 I'll make a deal with you. You can just owe me just a small amount. You give me 100 pence and we'll call it even. He didn't say that. He said, you owe me nothing. You're forgiven. In verses 24, we see that this servant, this wicked servant, was, was, he owed 10,000 talents to his Lord. And then after being forgiven this, after being delivered from the debtor's prison, we see that this servant goes out in verse 28 and finds one of his fellow servants, somebody else who owed him money. And the amount that he owed him was extremely small in comparison to what he owed his Lord. 10,000 talents versus 100 pence. And the guy that owed him 100 pence, he didn't have the money to pay it. 
His fellow servant fell down at his feet in verse 29 and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Just like this man who owed 10,000 talents did to his Lord, this man who owes 100 pence does to his Lord, and he would not, but wanted to cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. He was forgiven of much and was unwilling to forgive very little. And as you stand before God and sin against Him on a daily basis, and as you pray to God and ask Him for forgiveness of sins, you need to understand that your offense, no matter how small it is to God, no matter how small it is in your mind, I should say to God, no matter if it's just what you would call a little white lie or a cursing in your heart or you got a little mad and you ask the Lord for forgiveness, you need to understand that Against a holy God that is way more, not even measurable in comparison to what another has offended you by. Regardless of how awful the thing was that somebody did to you. Regardless of how deep it hurts you, you need to understand that it's a whole lot deeper to God. Your what you think are minuscule and minor sins. You sin against a holy God. And his penalty and his price for those sins is an eternity in a lake of fire. And he forgives you. Why can't you forgive your brother? It's not even comparable, folks. Not even comparable. We read in verses 28 through 32, we've already read 28 and 29 and 30, and so we'll pick up in 31. So when his fellow servants saw that was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desiredst me. Shouldest not thou had had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? If you do not have a heart ready to forgive, a heart that is ready to forgive, then you do not have a heart that God will forgive. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, as, as, as the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. He, he enters a part of the prayer and he says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Listen, you let that sink in a little moment, folks. That's not a prayer that many of us actually want to pray. But it's a principle and a fact that's true in Scripture. I mean, you think about that and you think about the lack of forgiveness that you have in your heart against your brother or sister. And you tell me if you want the Lord to base his forgiveness of you based on how you forgive your brothers and sisters are the unsaved in the world, regardless of what wrong they've done to you. I mean, do you really want to say up to God, Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins in the same way that I forgive everyone else. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also... Neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Listen, if you have an unforgiving spirit, 
If you have an unforgiving heart and you ask the Lord, you have bitterness in your heart, or at least the very root of bitterness. You have an unforgiving spirit. You're not ready to forgive. There's something that somebody else has done wrong against you, and you've not yet released them from that debt. The Bible says that God will not forgive you for your sins. No matter how often you ask him, no matter how, what ways you plead with him, he will not forgive you for your sins. And then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desiredst me. Should not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. This is a principle in scripture, folks. If you do not forgive others for the offenses that they've Wronged against you, God will not forgive you. Even as I had pity on thee. When we don't forgive others of their debt, we show a lack of thankfulness for the debt that God has forgiven us of. In verse 35, So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Everyone his brother their trespasses. Every single trespass. In the eyes of God, this principle of forgiveness in Scripture isn't just saying that, that you can forgive little wrongs but not big wrongs, that you're not required to forgive big wrongs. It's not saying that you can forgive little wrongs right away, but big wrongs, well, that's going to take some working back for. If ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses, well, you don't know what he's done to me. Forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Well, he, he, he didn't repent genuinely. I don't believe that that person was genuine in his, in his asking for forgiveness. Well, Jesus says, take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Listen. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Now you and I both know that as a person trespasses against you seven times in a day for the same offense, their heart is probably not true in repentance. They've probably, we can't know the heart of men, but they've probably not actually turned from that sin. And listen to what Jesus says in verse 4 of Luke 17. He says, And seven times a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent. You and I, we look at other people and we look at their apology and we try to judge their apology based upon how they give it to us and the words that they use and the way that they use their words. And then we look at their actions afterwards and we try to judge whether or not they're actually true. They're actually true to saying that they're sorry. You and I have no right to do that. We have no standing to do that. Jesus says if he say, I repent, then you forgive him. There's no holding out here to know whether or not they seem to be genuine. Seven times in a day. It's not, okay, I'll forgive you, but I'm going to hold back something here. I'm going to hold back a little bit of that debt from you that you owe me, just to see if you're really serious about it. No, no, no. 
wrongs you, comes to you, he says he's sorry, you forgive him. He's not guilty. He wrongs you again, he says, I'm sorry, you forgive him. He's not guilty. He wrongs you again, and the same day, again and again and again, seven times, 70 in a day, and again, you forgive him. This is a hard concept for us humans in our flesh and in our nature to grasp a hold of, to believe that you can actually do that. But the power of God is mighty to give you the grace to accept forgiveness, to accept an apology from another. You say, I can tell whether or not they're genuine. Can, can you? Can you really? Listen, I know some pretty good actors. Just because it seems like they're genuine doesn't mean that they're genuine. And just because it seems like they're not genuine doesn't mean that they are genuine. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. You can't look on the heart of man. You don't know whether or not he's actually genuine in his asking for forgiveness, but that is irrelevant, brothers and sisters. If he asks for forgiveness, then you are to forgive him. When he slew them, then they sought him, and they returned and inquired early after God, and they remembered that God was the rock, and high, high God the Redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouths, and they lied unto him with their tongues, for their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant, but he, being full of compassion, full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away, and did not stir up all his wrath, for he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. And it is an amazing thing that a holy God who knows the hearts of mankind and knows whether or not he's coming to them in genuine repentance and identifies in their heart that they're not actually fully serious because they immediately turn away from God following after them, but he forgives them anyway. Yet you and I think that we can judge another man whether or not he's actually genuine and God forgives us even when we're not genuine at times. That's what the scripture says, Psalm 78. Look it up, read it. That's exactly what it says. God knew Israel was not completely serious, but he forgave them anyway. You say, well, that doesn't apply to me. That's God. I'm human. I don't have to hold up to that same standard. Well, the Bible says differently. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says, And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And the same way that God has forgiven you, you are to forgive your brother and sister. I don't have to forgive until they give me an apology, some would say. I don't have to forgive until they actually ask me. Well, Luke chapter 23, verse 34 says, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If Jesus utters from the cross as he's being mocked by those who are crucifying him, him paying the debt for those who are mocking him, and says from the cross, Father, they don't know what they're doing. It's not even like they know that they're doing wrong, and they're 
and they're sinning anyway. They don't even know what they're doing. I ask you to forgive them. They're not going to ask me for forgiveness, but I ask you to forgive them. Listen, there are people that have done you wrong, and you won't forgive them, but they don't even know that they did anything wrong. And I guarantee you that you've done wrong to other people, and you don't even know that you did anything wrong. We are such hypocrites. We want everybody else to forgive us of our own debts, even without asking sometimes, but we won't forgive other people unless they ask us, and then even if they ask us, well, they're, they're going to have to do some work to pay it back. And when you stand praying, forgive, and ye have... If you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Ought in your heart is something that you have a debt against your brother. Somebody owes you something. And the Bible says, and when you stand praying to God, you're praying to God in your devotions in the morning. You're praying to God in church. The Bible says if you have something against your brother, your brother has done something wrong to you, you forgive him. Not expecting an apology first and then forgive him. Not expecting money first and then forgive him. Not expecting him to do some kind of duty and then forgive him. The Bible says you forgive him or your prayers will not be heard. It's a condition in your heart where you are holding something back, where someone has a negative balance with you that they owe you, and you feel like you, they need to do something to make up the difference. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? If God marks your iniquities and says that mark will never go away, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. We want to mark others' iniquities, but we don't want God to mark our own. We want them to pay for what they've done, but we don't want to pay for what we've done. And in Matthew chapter 18, where you are in this story, the Lord that was owed 10,000 talents said to thee, Shouldest thou not have had compassion on thy fellow servants, even as I had pity on thee, Christian, even as God had pity on you, saving you from a damning hell in all eternity, Forgiving you even of those sins and ignorance, having mercy upon you? Shouldn't you have the same compassion on your brothers and sisters? Shouldn't you have the same compassion on the world around you? You want God to forgive you of damning debts that are way far worse than anything anybody else has ever done against you because he's a holy God sitting high and lifted up. But you don't want to forgive others? I can forgive, but I don't have to forget. Well, if this is your attitude, then you don't actually know what it means to forgive. You're saying that there are ways in which I need to hold them accountable. And there's accountability and things like that. But those things of accountability after somebody does the wrong, after somebody steals from something, there's an accountability structure there. But it's not to make him pay for his sins. It's to help a brother grow in Christ. It's not to make him earn something back or suffer a greater consequence or punishment, but it's to help him prevent committing the same sin again. 
You're personally holding their sins against them as a means of punishment, and that's not forgiveness. You're reminding them of their sins over and over again. You get in an argument with your spouse, and you remind them of that sin that they did in the past. You remind them of that sin that they did in the past. And then you say out of the same mouth that you forgive them? No. You've never forgiven them. You limit another person only because you are trying to help them grow in Christ. And preventing them from sinning that sin again and again and again. Not because you want to hold it over their head and make them feel just a little bit more guilty because it still hurts you today. That's not forgiveness. As far as the east is from the west, so hath he removed our transgressions from us. That's an infinite distance away. That means that when God forgives me of my sin, that sin never again touches me. Never again touches me. Well, that's God, man says. Man doesn't have the power to do that. But God commands you to do that. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13. And their sins and iniquities will remember no more, God says. Now where remissions of these is, there is no more offering for sin. When you're forgiven, you don't have to offer up forgiveness of sin again. You don't have to offer up apologies over and over again. You don't have to pay your debt again and again and again. When you are forgiven, it is as if you've never committed an offense. Choosing not to remember sins doesn't mean that we are going to keep reminding them of their sin, especially when they cross you wrong. Choosing not to remember sins isn't, doesn't mean that we are going to make them pay. Choosing not to remember sins doesn't mean that we are still holding out, hoping God will judge them and make them hurt as bad as you hurt. That's not forgiveness. Choosing not to remember sin doesn't mean that we tell everyone else about the evil things that somebody else has done against you. That's not forgiveness. I'm reminded of the book of Philemon, a book that I love. There's this slave that runs away from his master, and it's apparent that he's done something wrong to him, that he's stolen from him. Paul sees him in prison. Paul leads him to Jesus Christ. He establishes a relationship, starts working for Paul, starts helping Paul out. And Paul writes a letter back to this master, back to this very well-to-do man. And the book is called Philemon. It's to this man named Philemon. And Paul says to Philemon, if he's done anything wrong against you, then I will repay it. Receive him as myself. Me and you... Philemon, we're, we're, we're good friends. I want you to receive this man that's done something wrong to you as if he's your good friend too. And it's interesting that later on Paul says, but withal prepare me also a lodging. Now if he's receiving Philemon or Onesimus as himself, if Philemon is receiving Onesimus, this escaped runaway slave as himself, then it kind of indicates that Paul is saying, that place of lodging that you're going to prepare for me, I want you to give it to him. 
And my brothers and sisters, it's a, it's a beautiful picture that we have here, that Jesus Christ, from heaven as the high priest, offers up his own blood in the temple of God and says to God, Lord, receive him as myself so that when you see them, you don't see their own unrighteousness, you see my righteousness and you give them a seat in my palace. You give them a lodging in my throne of heaven for all eternity. Thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. I'm reminded of Joseph. Joseph was a a young boy who was lifted up in pride for the way in which God had said that he was going to use him. His brothers were jealous. His brothers tried, were going to kill him. They decided not to kill him. They threw him in a pit. He was picked up by a band of men and they put him into slavery. Joseph was wronged and he was wronged deeply by his own brothers. Years later, Joseph excels. He goes into prison. He's wronged there, but then he excels and becomes the number two man in one of the most powerful nations in the world. And Joseph eventually meets his brothers again. And there's a glad reunion day, a beautiful picture there of reconciliation. But then later on, Joseph dies. And in Genesis chapter 50, you can turn there quickly if you want to. I will begin reading. In Genesis chapter 50, and Joseph returned in verse 14. And Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brother, brethren, and all that went up with him to bury his father after that he had buried his father. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which he did unto him. And they're saying, listen, his father's dead. Our father is dead. Now he's going to lay this charge to our account. We're going to pay for the ways in which we have, we have wronged him. And we read on here, so Joseph, ye say unto, so, so shall ye say unto Joseph, forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brother, brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for, I am, in the, for am I in the place of God? Joseph says, fear not, for am I in the place of God? Am I your judge? Am I the lawgiver? Listen, when somebody does something wrong for you, it is not your position to be their judge and lawgiver. God will judge them. Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before the judgment, and some men they follow after. Likewise, also the good works of some are manifest before him, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. Don't look for revenge. A heart that's looking for revenge, looking for somebody else to pay, that is not a heart of forgiveness. Say not, I will do so to him as he hath done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. Remember the sovereignty of God, as Joseph has done. 
He says later on that you meant it for good, but God, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He's trusting the sovereignty of God. Joseph understands that God could have prevented this from happening, but he chose not to. And he sees many, many years later the wonderful, beautiful picture of all that happened and the ways in which he grew in the Lord and the ways in which he was exalted to a place where he could bring greater glory to the Lord and save his own family from sickness and famine. His own nation family from sickness and famine. And Joseph sees this view and he sees this picture and he sees and says, I know that God could have prevented you from throwing me in that pit. I know that God could have prevented me from being sold into slavery. I know that God could have prevented me from being cast into prison. But you meant it for evil, that's clear. But God meant it for good. Trust in the sovereignty of God. That even though somebody's done something wrong to you, someone's sinned against you, someone's done something so deeply that it hurts so deeply, my brothers and sisters, use that to grow. 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 Don't get bitter. It's for your good. He's a lovingly, loving heavenly father. You love your children. You love them like you could never have thought that you had the possibility to love another human being. You love your children with a special love. Do you think that God loves you less? Do you think that God really loves you less than he loves, than you love your children? Whatever happens to you, God allows. You take that and you use it to grow, just as Joseph did. Listen, if Joseph would have allowed bitterness to conquer him, if Joseph would have had a heart that wasn't ready to forgive through all those years, if Joseph would have had a heart that said, I'm not going to forgive my brethren until they ask me to forgive me. I'm not going to forgive my brethren until they come to me and pay homage to me and bow at my knees and do all of these things to work back in the th- evil things that they did. If Joseph would have done that, he would never have been the number two man in Egypt. Listen, your unforgiving heart will destroy you. Your unforgiving heart will destroy your relationship with Jesus Christ. It will destroy your relationship with God. It will destroy your relationship with your family, your church family. It will eat you up and it will harm you more than it will harm the person that has offended you. You'll never be what God wants you to be, what God has called you to be with an unforgiving spirit. They're your brothers, brothers and sisters. They were his brothers. I can't imagine how deeply that hurt him. My own brothers that watched me grow up from a child, they tried to kill me and decided not to and threw me into slavery. My own brothers did that to me. But he forgave them anyway. This is a matter of the heart. And we 
as a fellowship, as a church, if we have bitterness and an unforgiving spirit against one another, if we have an unforgiving spirit against people in our family or an unforgiving spirit against those that are out there in the world, then we do not show the love of Christ. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. In Matthew chapter 21 and verse 35, he says, from your hearts, forgive. This is a matter of the heart. This is a matter of the heart that produces outward actions. In Colossians 3 verse 12, it says, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy beloved, bowels of mercy, a heart of mercy, kindness, humbleness, mind, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. In the same way that Christ forgave you, you forgive your brothers and sisters. And if you don't, it is a shame and a mark against the cause of Christ. Mercy. Bowels of mercy because you have received mercy. Bowels of kindness because God has been a loving, kind God, a good God to you. Bowels of humbleness of mind, understanding that the sin that you commit against your brothers and the sin that you commit against God is no greater than the sin that was committed against you. Humbleness of mind, understanding that your flesh and so is your brother and he's going to do wrong against you. It's just going to happen. Meekness. Humbleness of nine, a bowels of meekness, a heart of meekness, understanding that, yes, there are things that you could do to make him pay, but that doesn't mean that you have to assert that power. Long-suffering. Knowing that God's been long-suffering to you. Knowing that others have been long-suffering to you. Why can't you be long-suffering to others? I'm going to ask my wife to come and she's going to sing a song to you. And it's a song that I'm going to describe to you to give you a, a picture of what's going on here. I'd like you to stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. This is a song that talks about A scenario, what if God forgave you like you forgive others? What if God all of a sudden one day said, I'm, I'm tired of them sinning against me. I'm tired of it and I'm not going to forgive them anymore. What if, what if God were like us? Where would we be? Christian, where would you be if God extended the same kind of forgiveness as you extend to your brothers and sisters? But I'm thankful that my God is not that way. And he has bowels of mercy, plenteous of loving kindness, and that he's always ready to forgive me. No matter how many times I offend him in a single day, of the same sin in a single day, it's always ready to forgive me. The altar is 
open, Christian. The altar is open. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.